One Denver Broncos offensive lineman could make his return to the field this upcoming Sunday against the New York Jets. Plus, where do the Broncos sit in the Locked On Network's NFL power rankings? We discuss and we debate, not to mention we debut a brand new segment, third and long. Could Peyton Manning and John Elway eventually have some sort of ownership stake in the Denver Broncos? What about Baron Browning, an edge rusher? We debate all these things we talk about on today's brand new episode, Locked On Broncos. You are Locked On Broncos. Your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Locked On NFL Network, your team every day from the South Stands to the end zone. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, joined alongside my co-host, Sarah Bedinger. Both of us, we cover the Denver Broncos for the Locked On NFL Network and Nine News. Make sure you get this podcast free and available everywhere. You get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or the Odyssey app. Not to mention, if you can hit the subscribe button on YouTube, you can watch us, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day to watch the Lockdown Broncos and to interact with us here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Sarah, my friend, look, we're getting closer to game day. We had a great podcast crossover episode yesterday with Locked On Jets. I'm super excited to break everything down with you here today. Same here, Cody. And yeah, thank you to all those listeners, who, all those who are engaged with us, all those who participate. It's a lot of fun to read the comments, man. There's so much insight. I think a lot of times, you know, we get a, a lot of the negative on Twitter and you know, Facebook, other places like that. But man, the, the people that are commenting, the people that are engaging, the people that are interacting and making us part of their day, it's just awesome. It's awesome to see. Absolutely. And locked on, you know, we are very grateful for you guys. But, you know, Sarah, hey, let's go over Thursday's practice report, the injury report here for the Denver Broncos. Good news for uh, anybody that has Cortland Sutton in their fantasy lineup. A good thing for Broncos fans in general. Cortland Sutton is a full participant in practice on Thursday. Vic Fangio said that he's going to be full go as well. Dealing with a little bit of soreness, had a bruise in his hip. You know, nothing uh, in particular that's out of the ordinary here for the Broncos. So that's good for Cortland, obviously, wide receiver one for this you know football team here. But, you know, maybe just a little bit of caution here on the limited side of things when you take a look at Tim Patrick, who's also got a hip injury that's kind of banged up uh, a little bit for him coming out of that Jacksonville Jaguars game. Something to monitor right there. And then you have Mike Purcell as well as Noah Fant still limited with their injuries. Mike Purcell with the knee and Noah Fant with an ankle injury. Sarah, is there any reason that you feel like the Broncos should be concerned about Fant once again on the injury report with an ankle, something he dealt with last year, particularly going into a New York Jets game? Well, I think, you know, the the Bradley Chubb news certainly kind of ramps up your intensity of, I guess, nerves or if you want to call it like whatever you want to call it. It definitely makes you a little bit more anxious about Noah Fant and especially considering going back to last year, that was kind of a, a deal for him and he had the lower leg this year. I mean, maybe that was ankle. I don't know why they didn't call it that, but, you know, he was held out for those couple of weeks there at the end of the preseason. So I think it's definitely something to maybe not necessarily be concerned about since he's still practicing. He's still apparently, you know, it seems he's working towards still playing. It's not like they held him out yesterday. So um, definitely a little bit concerning given some of the other injuries the Broncos have had recently. They're having some bad luck with the ankles right now, Cody. I don't know what the deal is. So Jerry Judy, Bradley Chubb, Hopefully these guys are able to to stay out on the field who are, you know, practicing on a limited basis this week. But all in all, you know, pretty, I would say, positive news from the injury report. Yeah, it is. It's very encouraging. Obviously, you know, we talked about the uh, the injury 
report from the injured reserve side of things, how many players are expected to be back in six to eight weeks. Denver should have a really good football team by then, especially getting those guys back. But, you know, there is one player that did not play last week for the Broncos on the offensive line, a starter at right guard, Graham Glasgow. He did not play last week against the Jaguars. He traveled with the team. He underwent testing, and everything is resolved, according to Vic Fangio. And Vic had mentioned in his press conference on Thursday that Graham is on track, and it appears that he may play this Sunday against the Jets. I mean, what type of impact does this bring back to the Broncos' offensive line? Because we saw Natani Muti, and there were a couple of plays where Natani missed on a guy. I don't know if it was trying to be too physical or if just the guy had better leverage against him. But what does it bring to the Broncos' O-line unit having a starter back, not to mention coming into a game where – you know, they, they need to be able to run the ball more. Well, it's huge for this game in particular. You know, we talked on the crossover episode about the fact that the Jets' best defensive players probably are their interior defensive linemen. Um, not only Quinn and Williams, but John Franklin Myers, obviously a very good ascending player. A lot of deep dive football fans will know who John Franklin Myers is, and Broncos fans will certainly know who he is after this week. But having Graham Glasgow back is, is absolutely huge in that regard. You know, you have to be able to not only play, you know, sound and, and be consistent throughout the course of a game but man you want these guys who are the best communicators and not that Natani Muti is not good in that regard but we're talking about a, a veteran of the NFL compared to a guy who was making what his second or third start in the league so I think obviously having having Graham back is going to be big for the offensive line it's going to be big for their communication it'll be interesting to see what the Jets and Robert Sala kind of try to throw at that offensive line after we saw last week the Jacksonville Jaguars I mean they were bringing pressure a heavy and consistent amount trying to force the Broncos to throw the ball quickly. Um, and, and ironically, I suppose the Broncos had a lot of deep pass attempts in that game. So the offensive line is doing a pretty good job, I'd say, holding up you know, as a, as a unit, as a whole. Teddy Bridgewater is doing a pretty good job navigating the pocket when he needs to. So having Graham back is going to be, I think, big for just their – their ability to hold the fort down and keep Teddy Teddy clean. Yeah, when the Broncos will also have to account for May, the back-end safety, he's a stud. And then not to mention C.J. Mosley, who I know several years ago the Broncos – Broncos fans wanted him so bad, and the Jets, they went out and they paid a heavy price for him, and he was injured. He opted out due to COVID, obviously, and now so he's kind of back into the mix here for the Jets. He's going to be one of those key players I think you have to keep an eye on. If you're a Broncos fan, as somebody who could potentially impact the game for the Broncos in a negative manner, C.J. Mosley, who the Broncos did not see last year when the teams met on Thursday night football in a thriller, but obviously some good news there for Graham Glasgow. I think having a solidified offensive line unit of your starters where you can get games where they're all playing, right? And I think that was the issue for the Broncos last year. You look at the the offensive line, how many games were there where the actual starters that came into the season started down the stretch? How many games did they have together? I want that to be something that's consistent for the Broncos this year. Their week one starting lineup, hopefully that's the starting lineup all throughout the season, barring injury, anything unforeseen. If the Broncos can overcome that, I think that they can have a very solid unit so far. Like you mentioned, pass protection has been good for the most part for Denver, and having Graham on that right side I think will actually help out a little bit more for the Broncos this week because the Jets are going to try to attack it out of obviously a 4-3 defense. They're going to try to stunt inside, send the linebackers, sometimes send a nickel fire. They do that a lot, so – can the Broncos be ready for it? Can Teddy be ready for it? That's going to be a big key. And Sarah, obviously, we'll talk about that in our keys to the game in tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Broncos here 
for Broncos country. But just once again, I want to thank Broncos country for making Lockdown Broncos part of their day for all the Broncos news, content, and coverage and updates that they can get here exclusively. The Lockdown Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network. But Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. Sarah and I, we're going to talk about where the Broncos placed in the Lockdown Network's NFL power rankings. Are they too low? Are they too high? Is there a debate about maybe where they could be? We go back and forth. We discuss here in just a moment. But before we do that, let me tell you about the sponsor of today's episode of the show. That's our good friends over there at Built Bar. Built Bar is the healthiest protein bar that is out there on the market today. And ladies and gentlemen, it is my daily go-to over here at the Lockdown Broncos podcast. I love peanut butter brownie. They also have a brand new limited time flavor called Cookie Dough Chunk. It tastes exactly like cookie dough. So if you're a cookie dough lover like me with the mix of chocolate, it tastes exactly like a candy bar. Built Bar needs to be where you go to today. So go check it out at built.com. They have nine amazing, delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor like cookie dough chunk, not to mention built bar is the healthiest protein bar that is out there on the market today. For me, if I need a little bit of a pick me up in the morning, if I forgot to eat breakfast, built bar helps me satisfy my hunger to help me get through the day. Or after I work out, it helps me repair some of those muscle fibers that I tear from doing cardio or lifting weights, doing bicep curls, you know, the day-to-day stuff. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and only four grams of sugar. And I want you and your family to try built bar today. If you get the chance to by going to built.com, use promo code lock 15 at checkoff, and that'll take 15% off your next order. Once again, promo code LOCK15 gets you 15% off your next order at built.com. All right, Sarah, jumping into the second half action here on today's episode of Lockdown Broncos. Just a reminder, Broncos country, Lockdown Broncos is available free and everywhere you get your podcast, not to mention here on YouTube. It would mean the world to both Sarah and myself. If you could go to Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on that platform, if you could write us a review, if you love the show, leave us five stars. Tell us why you love the show. We'll give you a shout out here on the air. Obviously, a good shout out to our friends, Caden Staub and Bryce Benninger for their latest five star reviews there. Appreciate you for your love, your support here of the show. It helps us grow the podcast even more. You're a big part of that Broncos country, so we appreciate you. But let's go to our locked-on NFL power rankings here, Sarah. I posted the graphic out on my Twitter feed, at Cody Work NFL, and obviously some Broncos fans weren't happy with the team's placement, but the Broncos come in at number 17 on the Week 3 NFL power rankings, as voted on by every staff member on the Locked-On Network. And I feel like, for their placement, I feel like it's pretty fair, Sarah, when you consider that they are above the Carolina Panthers right now, who are 2-0, and coming off of a victory against the Saints, you could argue that maybe the, the Panthers could be a spot higher against Denver. I mean, you can actually make that. Um, the Patriots, obviously, coming off of a performance where they beat the Jets, uh, you know, in a very impressive performance defensively for them. You can make that argument. Obviously, they're sitting there at 1-1. One one. Denver's above them, rightfully so. And then the Washington football team, who at this time is 1-1 one one as well, lost to a Chargers team, beat the Giants, who the Broncos had beaten. So they're behind them. And then above Denver, you look at a couple of Saints, uh, the New Orleans Saints, that's one of those teams there, and the Tennessee Titans. Looking at this, Sarah, I feel like Denver at 17 right now, considering who they've played, I think is good. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's definitely one of those things that you could you could argue it either way. But I think going into this season, most people pro- probably had the Broncos in their bottom 10, right? I mean, that's where they finish in terms of draft standing. So unless you really bought into Teddy Bridgewater and the offseason acquisitions and Vic Fangio kind of maybe being on the hot seat going into this year, unless you like really bought into that, the Broncos are kind of a team that should have started kind of low on your power ranking tier. So to be 17 after two games, I would say two very quality victories in terms of the way 
the Broncos have played. Now, a lot of people aren't going to see it as quality victories in terms of the opponents that they played, which is why you're seeing them lower on a power ranking list. I know you mentioned to me when we were talking before the show, they were on three at three on somebody's list, which is really high. Um, yeah. and, and I love the I love that kind of, you know, respect. That's awesome. It's great to see. But at the same time, man, yeah, 17 is is a fair spot considering where they were going into the season, considering what they've been over the last, you know, five years, right? It's It's been tough sledding for the Broncos. So they're kind of at a spot in the power rankings right now where people are saying, okay, like we acknowledge that you're winning, you're rising up the, the rankings, but at the same time, you know, you got to keep proving it. You got to keep doing it. And it's just going to be incremental uh, steps up the ladder along the way. Well, last week they were at number 18, so obviously a win. They rose up one spot, which you like to see. They play the Jets this week, and Sarah, do you think a win against the Jets could propel them to at least the top 15? Because, look, I, I kind of want to jump into this little hypothetical conversation here about, you know, you're going to win. If you win and you take care of business against the Jets, that's great, right? You're beating the teams you're supposed to. That would be 3-0, and which the Broncos haven't gotten off to a start like that in quite some time. Impressive as it may the real test will come against the Baltimore Ravens, who, you know, obviously their week one, they lost a, an overtime thriller to the Las Vegas Raiders, who are currently on the season 2-0 and as well in the AFC West. The Raiders look good this year, as much as I think Broncos fans would hate for us to say that. They look like a good football mm -hmm. team on the offensive side of the ball. Their defense is playing pretty well for the most part. But when you look at the power rankings, if Denver – Two weeks from now, right? If they win against the Jets and if they win against Baltimore, I think at that point we could probably sit here two weeks from now and we could say, hey, the Broncos have a legitimate gripe as to maybe they could be in the top 10 of the power rankings by beating a team like the Baltimore Ravens who just beat the Kansas City Chiefs and who lost to the Las Vegas Raiders. Baltimore's a very, very good football team. It'll be Denver's toughest test of the season yet. And then they'll play Pittsburgh and then they'll play the Raiders, which will obviously be another test. And then, you know, they'll go on and they'll play the Cleveland Browns on Thursday night football. I mean, Denver has a really good chance here to prove that they belong in a higher conversation on the power rankings. They do. And and this week against the Jets is of, you know, huge importance in that regard. You know, like you mentioned right away, it was what happens if they win this game against the Jets? How high can they rise? I think definitely, you know, it's it's one of those things where, okay, we, we saw you week one. You played a good game against the New York Giants. The defense looks really good. Anybody who was, you know, unbiased or maybe whatever you want to call that before the season knew, Denver's probably going to have a good defense. It looks really good on paper. You play well week one. You come out week two. You beat the Jaguars pretty good. Okay, yeah, nobody nobody really thought much of the Jaguars. That's great. The New York Jets, you know, coming into week three, obviously another rookie quarterback, a, a rookie head coach, a defense, and, and frankly, a roster that's lacking, you know, co it, by comparison to the Denver Broncos and the talent department. So I think a win against the New York Jets to rise in the power rankings, even substantially into the top 15, like you mentioned, Cody, is going to require the Broncos to do what they've been doing. What have they been doing? Well, Teddy Bridgewater has been playing extremely well. The defense has been lights out other than a couple of drives. So what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to show another complete performance. If they go out and, and even beat the Jets, say like 13 to 10 or something like that, I think that could cause them to drop in power rankings. That could cause them to lose a little bit of that national respect 
among football fans. So I think there's definitely something to it's not college football, right? But quality of victory. <laughs> so you get a good quality victory against the Jets. And then you go out there. If you can beat the Baltimore Ravens, I'll tell you what, that number three ranking from the person that put them there is going to be a little bit more justified. I think Baltimore looks like one of the best teams in the league, despite all their injuries. I mean, considering considering the amount of injuries the Baltimore Ravens have had to sustain early on in this year, the fact that they took the Raiders to overtime in week one and, and were within you know an inch of actually winning that game at the goal line, coming back and, and going back down the field the other way, and then the Kansas City Chiefs victory in Baltimore, man, that is absolutely huge. That's a signature win. If you're talking college football again, that's a signature dub against the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you're able to beat the Jets, I don't care what the score is, and then you're able to go in and beat the Baltimore Ravens, the Broncos deserve some credit as potentially a top five, top 10 team in the league. Yeah, they do. And I know Vic Fangio, if he's listening, he's like, you know what, let's just focus one week at a time, Cody. Like, get it together. I, I get it, Vic. I'm sorry. You know, sometimes we like to stay in the present while also looking ahead a little bit but not overlooking anybody, which I think you can do, right? I think that's fair to stay in the present, look ahead, but not overlook. That might be something I have to get tattooed. You never know. But uh, Broncos country coming up here in just a moment, Sarah and I, we're actually going to debut a brand new segment called third and long. We're going to bring up three topics that have important relevance of discussion. We're going to break all that action down coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, let me tell you about the two other sponsors. Today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. That's our good friends over there at Run Your Pool and Bet Online. .ag. After two weeks of the NFL regular season, there's still time to make the most with a better way to create your custom pool at runyourpool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service. Run Your Pool makes it ridiculously easy to run a football pool with friends, family, or office mates, and they offer dozens of formats, including Survivor, Pick'em, Squares, Margin, Confidence Pools, 33, and more. They also host NFL and college football formats with one-week games, full-season playoffs, or the Super Bowl, and unlike other fantasy sports platforms, you can make it your own with the settings that Run Your Pool has to offer today. Week two around the NFL was much stronger, where most people went 10-6 and six in Pick'em. I personally went 12-4. and four. Thanks a lot, Seattle. Thanks a lot, Kansas City, for losing your games, or I would have come out even more on top at Run Your Pool. The Pick 5 contest is also still open for folks to enter and win weekly prizes. Both the NBA and the NHL season are also on the horizon with pools that can last all season long. And you can check them out today and you can get $10 off at runyourpool.com slash lockdown or you use promo code lockdown at checkout today. Anywhere, everywhere in the world, Run Your Pool helps friends and colleagues compete. Don't miss out. The NFL season is off to an amazing start. Week 3 of football action is here. So go to runyourpool.com slash lockdown and have your pool up and running in minutes. It's runyourpool.com slash locked on. And our good friends over there, betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action with football season in full swing as we approach here in week three. BetOnline has you covered for all your football needs with even more updated odds, props, and contest information. BetOnline.ag makes it easy for you to navigate and to make your picks. And you can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you can get a 100% deposit bonus when you use promo code LOCKEDON. That's double your initial deposit at betonline.ag. From football, basketball, boxing to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline has a multitude of different things that they can offer you throughout the 2021 season. So don't miss out today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Sarah, jumping to the fourth quarter action of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, a new segment we're debuting here, third and long. Three very important topics that have not yet received enough discussion due to everything that's going on around the NFL, around the Denver Broncos. And Sarah, uh, first off, let's start off with one of the topics that Vic Fangio mentioned this week that the team they're potentially looking at 
putting Baron Browning as an outside linebacker to help with the team's depth, obviously with Bradley Chubb's injury. In your opinion, why would this make sense for Denver, and why might it make a little bit more sense for Baron Browning rather than inside linebacker make the case? Well, I think there's a lot for Baron Browning to learn at the inside linebacker position. We've heard Vic Fangio talk about that in the past with any number of players, and we've heard players talk about that in the past as I'm, I'm finally able to go out there and play without necessarily thinking. And that, that doesn't mean that they're going out there just blind or not not thinking, but more playing with instincts, more understanding the, the defense as a second language, right? And so that's going to take plenty of time for Baron Browning. And frankly, right now, do the Broncos have the need? They have Alexander Johnson. They have Justin Sternod. They just picked up Micah Kaiser off the Rams practice squad, who you know knows at least a version of this defense after playing for Brandon Staley with the Los Angeles Rams. So... Now you've got three guys out there that understand the scheme. They know pretty well what they're doing for the most part. And and you've got a guy who's got upside in Justin Sternod who, hey, the Broncos now have a reason to take an evaluation period on him. So Baron Browning, what was he great at at Ohio State? Making plays. Didn't matter if he was playing the off-ball linebacker position. Didn't matter if he was playing off the edge. Didn't matter if his hand was in the dirt. But what he was really good at, Cody, was rushing the quarterback, whether he was blitzing or playing as a traditional edge rusher. And and I love that about him. I remember watching him and Micah Parsons both in the pre-draft process and thinking to myself, man, why would you draft Micah Parsons at nine overall when you could get another player there and take Baron Browning later on? And the Broncos did exactly that. And I think he has tremendous potential there. You're talking about a guy who was, I think, number four in the last 30-plus years in terms of just his relative athletic score at the outside linebacker position or just the linebacker position in general. So you've got a freakish athlete with bursts, with instincts, who can get after the quarterback, who's got strength, who's got explosiveness. I mean, he's got it all. So that's my case for Baron Browning off the edge. you got a, a reason now to do it. I like it. And, you know, the thing I like about that, too, you mentioned his explosiveness, right? So when we t- talk about that, obviously, his get-off off the line of scrimmage as an edge rusher, you need to have that against some of these better offensive tackles. But more importantly, he's very disciplined as an edge guy. He can press with the, you know, the inside hand against the outside shoulder of the tackle. He can squeeze it down. And if there's any run that goes outside, his athleticism allows him to take a, a good angle to be able to make a tackle for a loss or to be able to force a guy to run backwards to where the rest of your defense can flow. I mean, that's what that's what Baron Browning can do. I think that he'd probably be better suited right now rotating in that role as an edge rusher than inside backer because you do have Justin Sternod. I think that the Broncos have to be very careful with what they do here because guess what? The fast track, I think, for Baron Browning to get on the field, it's not going to be an inside backer even though that you have the injury to Josie Jewell. Sternod is going to take on that role, and I think he'll excel at it but you're also going to have to get a guy at edge rusher. And I think that Baron Browning probably makes the best sense right now. He doesn't have to think as much in terms of what you have to do as an inside backer. And he's such a fast and explosive athlete. He can just play free. And I think the Broncos should do that. So I like that. Let's go to second down here now. Bryce Callahan, you touched on it before we went live here on the show. Going back and watching his tape, I tell you what, he looks just as good as he did last year when healthy. And if anything, that should bode well. For his chances, I think it may be getting a contract extension here for the Broncos. His game against Jacksonville, spectacular. Sarah, you watched it. Mm -hmm. I watched it. I didn't really find any part of his game when watching him where he had a mistake. He was out of alignment. He missed an assignment. I mean, he was pretty dang good. He almost had an interception. That was probably the only thing I'd rate him negatively on is that he dropped a pick. 
That's right. Those DBs in their hands, although Pat Sertan kind of proving that theory <laughs> wrong, right? So, no, Cody, you're absolutely right. You Watching back on this game, Bryce Callahan was absolutely tremendous. And one stat that I think will really stand out over the course of the season in terms of just individual game performances, if we look back at things, I think LaVisca Chenault finished this game with negative yardage on about, I think it was seven touches potentially or less. I mean, it was it, he was up there in terms of targets at least. So they tried to get him involved. And and just simply put, Bryce Callahan was having absolutely none of it. And and it was awesome to watch, you know, just seeing him healthy, seeing him play. It, it's, it's not like a lunar eclipse anymore. You know, we've got to see him at least uh, quite a bit in the last two seasons, including this year. But Man, I, I love what he brings to the table just as a slot corner. And he's so good in, in that in that man coverage, playing the slot, following receivers around the field. He's so instinctive, too. You can tell that just like we talked about with the inside linebacker position being like a second language to those guys. Well, you can tell that this defense for Bryce Callahan is a second language. He knows exactly where he's supposed to be, what he's supposed to be doing. That helps those guys so much. You can tell they can rely on him. There was a play where it almost looked like he had passed off coverage to Kyle Fuller, but the Jaguars, this was on, I believe, um, Kareem Jackson's interception or another yep. another play shortly before it. But, man, you can watch on their side of the field how they're just in step the whole way, and it, it, it almost looks like they don't have to break even their – they're just, just, they're just perfectly in motion together, knowing exactly where the receiver is going, knowing exactly where they're supposed to be, their assignments. Bryce Callahan, man, huge shout out to him. I think we gave game balls to Kareem Jackson, obviously Pat Sertan for his interception, and then um, I can't remember. Oh, Sutton, obviously offense. But, uh, man, Bryce Callahan watching back the All-22, maybe he deserves a little bit of a, a game ball love there. Yeah, no, I agree, and I, I think as long as he continues to play at that elite level, the Broncos will take care of business. I think that they'll extend him. I mean, there's no point of letting a guy like that go if he's producing at a high level, and if he can stay healthy, it bodes even better for his chances, also for the Denver Broncos. Now, we get into our third down topic here. Obviously, this is something that's kind of been under the radar a little bit. The Broncos' ownership situation has been kind of these talking points you know, in little inner circles here, but it was recently reported that John Elway and both Peyton Manning they've had interest and they've had people approach them about being involved in a potential ownership group if in fact the Denver Broncos are put up for sale and what that would mean and I don't think a lot of people understand that you know Peyton Manning and John Elway alone they don't have enough money to buy the Broncos it's gonna have to be a collective group effort so for them having an ownership stake in the team which Peyton Manning is very very interested in John Elway obviously is interested in dating back to when Pat Bowen had even offered it to him way back in the day and I think that for Broncos fans in general, understanding what type of decisions would be made for this team if that were the case. Obviously, right now, there's the, the right of first refusal trial that's going on right now. We don't know too much about that, obviously, as more details will get leaked. But if, in fact, the Broncos are put up for sale, if Peyton Manning and John Elway have an ownership stake in the team, more than likely, any decision that gets made regarding the Broncos' day-to-day -day football operations, whether it be coaching changes, personnel, whatever it may be, that would be pretty much discussed amongst a board of people, like a board of executives, and those decisions would obviously have to have like a passing vote. I don't think it would be unanimous in most decisions as long as there's a majority vote. Then most of those decisions would be made through that room. But, you know, Sarah, what interests you a little bit about both Peyton Manning and John Elway? What would they bring to the Denver Broncos with a little bit of an ownership stake? Well, I think with with Pat Bowen, I think what everybody remembers most fondly about him is not only the way that he, you know, loved the city of Denver – 
Um, but just the passion that he had for the Denver Broncos, I mean, that really resonated with the fans, you know, to, to hear stories about how he would go into the locker room and into the training room and out onto the field and just be so involved in the day-to-day with these players and have relationships with them or the way that he would go to bat for, you know, guys in free agency taking out loans or whatever. There's, there's stories about that and things like that in free agency that he would do. Pat Boland wanted desperately for the Denver Broncos to win games, and he cared so much about the Denver Broncos I think that's what fans love about him and you can tell obviously John Elway he loves the Denver Broncos man he bleeds orange and blue Peyton Manning I hate to say it for any Colts fan that might be listening to this podcast right now but I believe Peyton Manning bleeds orange and blue I think that he still harbors a little bit of ill will for being cut and we heard him talk about that on the Monday night football telecast that he does it's like hey I got cut by the I mean he still he still talks about it in such a way that you can kind of tell I mean, obviously, he still respects the Indianapolis Colts and things like that. But I, De- Peyton Manning, he, he lives in Denver. He comes to the Broncos' home games. He's part of the he's part of the daily goings ons in the off season when you know you come out to training camp practice, shoot the videos for the social media team. I mean, he's so available to the Denver Broncos even now that it's hard to imagine he wouldn't have interest in in having a partial ownership of the team. So I think that's what stands out to me is just those guys being so invested in the Broncos. And I'm interested to see Cody. I dropped this hot take. A couple years ago, when uh, when this kind of first started coming up, of okay, maybe there's there's potential of you know changing of the ownership. It might not stay in the Bowen family. What about you know one of these two guys? I don't know if they'll be together in an investment group, Peyton Peyton Manning and John Elway. That is, but maybe you team up with somebody like LeBron James, who's interested in owning an NFL team at some point in time. And I don't know how how would that appeal to the 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 seller, right? I mean, how does that appeal to the seller to have big name guys coming in like that? And saying, hey, we want to be in charge of the daily goings on of this team. And then Peyton Manning, obviously, being kind of your main figurehead or John Elway, for that matter. So it'd be really interesting. Well, and I think the biggest thing, too, Sarah, like for me covering the team, if the Broncos are eventually sold or if they have an ownership group, I I want to encourage Broncos fans to be very careful about wanting just some person with deep pockets of money. Jeff Bezos of Amazon has constantly been brought up. But here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff Bezos will not care about a football team the way that Pat Boland did. I think that if whoever's going to take over for the Broncos, whether it be an ownership group, those people have to have a vested interest in the day-to-day to be as active and as caring towards the franchise as Pat Bullen. If you're going to have somebody that has a lot of money that's not going to really put too much effort into it, they're going to have a group of people that's going to do it and not them, not be boots on the ground. You don't want that Broncos country, I promise you. And look, look locally here in Colorado. Look at the Kronke family with some of the other franchises that they own. They don't do anything in those franchises and those fan bases and those organizations. They are struggling because of that. So I would encourage you to be very cautious when it comes to any type of interest in a guy with loaded pockets like Jeff Bezos. I think an ownership group, Sarah, probably makes the most sense for the Denver Broncos, for a guy like Peyton Manning, for John Elway, people who have vested interest in what happens with the franchise, who care about it, to me, That matters more than anything else in Broncos country. Let us know what you think in the comment section down below about a potential ownership group. Would you be interested in seeing Peyton Manning and John Elway team up and be part of a group that has an ownership stake? Let us know in the comment section down below. But that will do it for today's episode of Lockdown Broncos. Just a reminder, both Sarah and I want to thank all of Broncos country for taking time out of your day to make Lockdown Broncos part of your daily routine, whether it be in the morning on your way to work, the afternoon or in the evening, Lockdown Broncos, we're here for you every single day on your favorite audio podcast and platforms, and not to mention on YouTube. So hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on a day's worth of Denver Broncos news, content, and coverage. Tomorrow's episode of the show, Sarah and I, we're going to give our keys to the game, players to watch, and players who need to step up this week. We break all that down on tomorrow's episode, Locked 
on Broncos 